Today's episode of WARP in Cincinnati is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Welcome to WARP in Cincinnati. I am C. Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic. And joining me is my friend and uh, former, ooh, I don't, he's still, he is a current colleague, although formerly a colleague at a different place and a former podcast uh, partner and uh, all-around great guy, Mr. Zach Buchanan. How are you, Zach? I am great. How are you? It is good to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you. It's kind of a little homecoming. Uh, Paul Danner Jr., our usual co-host, is in uh, NFL draft mode. So last week we had Joey Votto. Uh, there was some, like, uh, I saw some people upset on Twitter because I had teased a special guest. And they were like, Joey Votto, I wanted Zach Buchanan. So this week we get Zach Buchanan. Instead of Joey Votto. Um, so there you go. Those are the best bots I ever paid for. <laughs> and it's a long list. It is, yes. Most of my replies are my own bots. So uh, let's see. You have now, I guess you've covered the, for two years at the Athletic, you've covered the Diamondbacks after two years at the Inquirer covering the Reds. Yes, yeah, it seems like I can't go like more than two years without some dramatic change in my circumstances. <laughs> and this is the most dramatic change this year. Yes, this is my fault. It. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well. well, we'll hopefully get over with it and everything will happen. So uh, what's it like in Arizona right now? How's how's everything kind of arizona yeah, I mean, it's fine. I imagine it's like everywhere else. Everybody's kind of sheltering in place. There, there still seems to be like more traffic on the streets than you would assume. But, uh, at least anecdotally, everybody I know is like staying home. Um, yeah. And what's nice is it, this is only going to last maybe a couple more weeks, but the weather's still really nice right now. And so it's, it's a beautiful time to go take a walk or do a run or, Anything outside, sit in the front yard, read a book or something like that. Um, but in, you know, as we get into May, it's going to get pretty brutal and I'm never going to want to leave the house. And then maybe I'll go insane, but right now it's okay. That kind of brings us something. Um, I didn't know I was going to jump into it this quickly, but still it makes sense. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the so-called Arizona plan for everybody to play there. And one of the, Biggest kind of, uh, I don't know, questions about that to me is I've been to Phoenix in August and June. It's not the most comfortable place at four or five o'clock, which would be primetime viewing in the East Coast. 
what, I mean, how do you think they could deal with that? Uh, I mean, you'd either have to just have the players suck it up, which would be a lot to ask of them if also under this plan they are kind of, uh, you know, they're in this biodome where they can go to the hotel and the ballpark and that's it. Um, and even if their families can join them, their families can't leave the hotel. I mean, that sounds brutal. They're, the league's going to want them to take a pay cut because they're not getting, uh, you know, ticket sales. And, uh, if they want them to play in primetime television slots, they're going to have to play in like absolutely brutal heat. Um, which at least ups the danger of like, you know, heat exhaustion or dehydration and all sorts of things. Um, so it doesn't sound like a very appealing package to me if I'm a player. Um, the alternative would be like you play all these games at night or early in the morning before it really gets baking. Although at a certain point in the summer, it, the time of day does not matter at all. Um, but then, then you're sacrificing kind of the prime time slots. And if the idea of doing this is to get some of that television money, but you're playing at 3.30 in the aver- afternoon on a work day in New York, um, are you really making that much money? So uh, I, I'm not sure how that slice of it works. And there are plenty of other slices of it, slices of it that don't seem to make sense either. What time, like, so once you get to a certain point, it doesn't matter whether it's at 10 a.m. or 4 p.m.? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know about 10 a.m., but I remember when I was on the Reds coming back here, uh, I think it was the series that Hunter Green signed at the deadline. Um, and I remember getting out of a game, it was midnight, and it was 104 degrees or something still. Um, and maybe it was because I had been away, uh, but I just remember thinking, good God, why? Why is it like this? Like, um, and that's just, that's just what happens as you get into the, like July and August, which is about when, you know, this plan would have to start. Um, at a certain point, how late it is, like it doesn't cool down anymore. It's just too hot. Cause they play, they will usually play games in, um, Arizona, in the Arizona Fall League. They play around, what time, what time, or not Arizona Fall League, but like, uh, the AZ, the Arizona League. What time are those games usually played? You know, I, I think a fair amount of those games are played in the afternoon. Um, but these are also like super young kids. Um, and the, these games move a little quicker. Um, but I do think they play a good share of them at night or, or at least like later in the evening, not maybe like starting at like 8.30 p.m., but starting at 6 or something. Um, or or maybe some of them are in the morning. I don't know. I actually haven't covered much of the AZL. Um, the Diamondbacks really ha- have rarely had someone there worth paying attention to. But um, Yeah, I, I think I've only covered one game there in the AZL. Yeah, and what it, time it was, was yours? Okay. It was a night game. And I think most were that, at least that day, they were all night games. Um, so I mean, if you're talking seven o'clock start and I think it might have even been eight, eight o'clock start, that's eleven o'clock back here. That's just not. So could, could you see ten o'clock starts in Arizona? And would ten a.m. starts be okay? I could, I mean, I could see that. Um, 10 o'clock starts, are you talking about 10 p.m. or 10 a.m.? A.m. So yeah, I a could, 1 o'clock I, p.m. game. I could, I could see 10 a.m. starts 
here. Um, I, I don't think the players would mind that so much. You know, just get up, go play, get out of there, go back to your families. Um, you know, that, you know, starting that early meant a little more when, you know, getting out early meant you could actually go do something. But, uh, that still is like a 1 p.m. game on the East Coast. And if it's, you know, I know we all have, our work days are all a little different than they used to be. But if it's like a, 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 a Wednesday work day, I mean, how many of us have the freedom to just sit and watch a baseball game? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of different timing. I, I yeah. The, there are so many unknowns, um, that I just don't understand. I think this is the best case. I mean, this is the best chance of baseball in 2020, if you ask me, but I don't know. I don't know how at all. The logistics still seem tough. The the biggest thing for me, because, um, I mean, not nothing about this is appealing, and I think even the league would admit that. Um, but the biggest hurdle here, and one that I don't think will be cleared, is the testing. Um, I, I, I don't imagine people in Cincinnati are paying attention to the testing situation in Arizona, but we are in the bottom 10 of states when it comes to testing per capita. We've only tested about 50,000 people. There's 6 million people that live in the Phoenix area. Um, it's just, I don't see any way that's going to be scaled up to the point where everybody who needs a test can get a test. These tests are accurate enough that we can spare however many tests or would need to be used to test all these players and employees and everybody working in hotels and all this stuff daily to make sure that the virus isn't being transmitted. Um, just all the headlines the last two months with testing uh, give me zero faith that we're going to get there. Um, so I think that's the biggest hurdle. Yeah. I mean, it's – there's there's just – I don't know. There's a lot of questions, and I don't know that we have any answers. Um so yeah, uh, but hey, um, here we are. Here we are. Um, I think that's enough of the Arizona plan. Um, are there any other big red flags that you can think of? I mean, those are the ma- major ones. Just the and the other, just you know, it just takes the players to agree to this. And I just wonder how much they're going to want to agree if they're like, even if their families are allowed to come with them, if the families can't actually do anything, if they have to take a pay cut, if they have to play in super heat. Um, if they can't, you know, high five their teammates or interact with their teammates really, like at what point does this just become not worth it for them? Well, I mean, it is a pay cut, but it's also more than zero. Sure, sure. But, and, but I think at a certain point, the game like stops becoming fun, you know, with all the things you'd have to do to make sure people are safe. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I, I thought that and I thought like it wouldn't even be worth watching. Did you watch, have you watched any of the, um, the CPBL? I haven't, no. I've really enjoyed it and it's so comforting. I, I was on, um, Mark Kerrig and Andy McCullough's, uh, podcast and it's they made a, fun of I, me because you're a senior writer. I know I listened. <laughs> I said, um, I said that I don't miss sports and I really didn't think I did until I watched the CPBL and that just made my day when I got to watch that because it was live. It was sports. And I was like, Oh, who wants to watch with, I mean, we talked about like, can you imagine watching a game with fans? Mm -hmm. Well, I did. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, 
Because it was still something live and it gave you that, I don't know, feeling of being with another, you know, being with other people that, that only live events does. Um, I don't know. It, it was, it, 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 it kind of just changed my mind a little bit and I'll be watching more of that if they televise it. Uh, I'll be watching more of the KBO if they, uh, uh, um, show some KBO. Um, I've really enjoyed that. And I mean, you have more important stuff going on, um, right now. So I know that you, uh, you, you would say that, but it's like kind of not true. Like we did all our baby prep before spring training thinking I would be busy. And so now we're kind of done. <laughs> so we, there's really not much left for us to figure out. We're just like waiting for this baby to come. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, that's honestly, that's, We've all been when we're on that waiting period for the the kid to come. I mean, that's something that uh, they take their own sweet time, and it, the baby will come when the baby comes, and um, that's pretty exciting. This is your first child, uh, so uh, it's kind of just a really strange, strange time with all this going on. Yeah, I just I I like know like in that kind of like way you know something you learned in like a school book that like, like in like a week to two weeks, I mean, the due date is May 4th. Like my life is going to just change so dramatically in ways that I can't even comprehend, but it's just, it's hard from this distance to really understand that because like right now it's just like, Oh, so my wife goes to bed, I go to my office and I watch like a ton of TV and like, that's not going to happen anymore. Like, and I, uh, you'll I'm, be surprised. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. It's worth it now then. <laughs> it's worth having a child so you can watch some TV. <laughs> that's the most Zach statement ever. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, so uh, we'll, we'll move on from that. And I wanted to <laughs> ask you about. <laughs> the difference of covering the Diamondbacks and covering the Reds. Because you kind of covered the Diamondbacks, then covered the Reds, then covered the Diamondbacks again. And I remember when you kind of came here, you were like, oh, my God, it's so different. What, oh, yeah. what is that? H- how is that different? Uh, the difference is the level of interest. Um, I if, if I wrote something, I'm on the last guy in the bullpen in Arizona, nobody would read it. Um, if I did that in Cincinnati, I feel like there's so many people that even in the, I mean, the two years I covered in Cincinnati were terrible years. Uh, they were not good. I was there. Yeah. I, I feel like people in Cincinnati still view that guy in the last guy in the bullpen as a potential closer. And if they don't, they have strong opinions about why they, he should get the hell out of here and get the potential closer out of triple a, um, and there's just like such a deeper level of interest, which I, I, I don't think has anything to do with kind of the quality of the team that Diamondbacks put together. They've been a pretty uh, enjoyable team to watch the last couple of years. It's just everybody in Cincinnati, uh, it almost exclusively grew up in the area. Um, it's, I, I think it'll change pretty soon here, but I think it's, it's a city that has like, if you, if you live there, odds are you're from there. It hasn't attracted a lot of people from other places. Um, and it has like this civic pride of like growing up with the, the Reds of the seventies. And, you know, you grew, even if you weren't alive, then you, uh, you know, you, you 
your parents were huge fans and you went to a ton of games as a kid and all that. And Arizona just doesn't have that. Um, part of that is the, the Diamondbacks are the youngest team in the league. They only existed for 22 years. Um, and they haven't had like a sustained run of success that kind of built up their mystique the way the Reds did in, in the seventies. And even in, you know, 2010 to 2013, um, the, the Diamondbacks made the playoffs, uh, in back to back seasons only once. And that was 2000, 2001, might've been 2001, 2002. Um, and that was a long time ago. No, they made it in 2001. Yes, they did. Um, and then part of it is just like everybody in Arizona that lives here, all the vast majority of people I know and am friends with did not grow up here. They're not from here originally. Everybody has come here from other places and brought their own allegiances from other places. Um, and it's just a very different kind of mix of the pos- population than Cincinnati. Um, which I, I like it here. The people that read our stuff are great. There, there are passion Dimax fans. They are just smaller in number. Um, but in Cincinnati, man, like one of the things that I really appreciate about that place is like, I felt like so like part of a community there just because I wrote about the Reds that I, I felt kind of part of the fabric of the city a little bit where the fabric of the city in Phoenix, even though I love living here, uh, and we have tremendous friends here and I love my job, uh, it's just different. There's just, there's not like this huge Phoenix civic pride. Because there's not that real civic identity here compared to Cincinnati. Yeah. Ed, what? Um, so it's been two years since you've left. Are there what, what kind of things do you miss about living here? I mean, this is going to be this is, sounds like total pandering, but it, it it is true though. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. You miss living. You miss a lot of things about here, not just you know working with me. Yes. Uh, well, working with you would be number one. Um, of course. Yes. Uh, I miss, I, I don't know, I miss so much about the place. I, I miss it in, like, I want to be clear for if any Diamondbacks fans are listening. Like, I don't regret my decision to move to, to Phoenix. Um, it was the right move for a variety of reasons. Um, and I enjoy my job every day. Uh, but I, I miss and cherish certain things about Cincinnati, not in kind of like, oh, God, I wish I was there right now way, but just like, oh, man, I love Grater's ice cream. Or I, I, I really do love Skyline and, uh, we've been trying to find it, the chili and cans here at, at Fry's, which is like a, a, it's owned by Kroger. So I'm hoping they have it. Um, I love all the people that you and I worked with at the Inquirer, uh, not many of whom work there anymore, unfortunately. Um, but we just had a terrific newsroom and just, uh, I, I love the apartment we lived in right above the Bon Bonnery. Uh, I love the neighborhoods. I love, uh, the Esquire Theater. Um, I love Quatman Cafe. Uh, mm. I just, I just, I love, uh, when the weather was nice, like driving along, um, Columbia Parkway and looking out into Kentucky over the river. Like it was just so, it's such a beautiful city. I love the skyline there. Um, I, I just think that it's like on a national level, like I totally agree with everybody who lives there. Cincinnati does not get enough respect. And, uh, I like, I'm all in on Cincinnati. I think it's an awesome place. Did you, cause when you came, you had no connections and you're kind of like me, you've lived a bunch of different places. You kind of had a, a nomadic beginning to your career, um, before kind of really finding a home there in Arizona. But when, when you came to Cincinnati, 
did you expect that? I I had no clue about anything about Cincinnati uh when I when I came there. Um I mean I knew a little bit by the time like we were moving there. Because I'd had this nice kind of all of spring training that year is kind of an acclimation period to get to know Reds fans and what they cared about and all that stuff. Um, but when I when I flew into Cincinnati for my interview, which was like mid December of of 2015, uh, I had no clue of anything about what Cincinnati was about. And I remember feeling like, oh wow, this feels like a legit downtown. Like this is kind of cool. I haven't lived in a city that had a downtown like this until, I mean, it's smaller, but like it felt Chicago-esque. Um, and I went to school in Chicago, and so that was appealing. Um, uh, but I still didn't know that much by the time I moved there. I mean, I took the job because it was the right move for me career-wise. And uh, Taryn and I had been up there to apartment hunt, and we looked at a bunch of places, and that helped us kind of get to know the areas a little bit and neighborhoods and stuff like that. Um but it was kind of a crash course acclimation period. And, uh, uh, I have very little thing, very few things that I didn't like about living there. Probably the only thing would be how difficult it was to visit family, which it got a little easier when Southwest came into CVG. But like Terrence family's in Sacramento and there's no cheap or quick way to get from Cincinnati to Sacramento. Um, and so it made, especially with her work situation at the time, made getting back for holidays like really difficult. Um, but that, that's about it. I mean, I loved when people come to visit us. Uh, I love the weather there. It never got so Chicago cold that it was like unbearable. Although my wife would tell you differently. Um, but, uh, and then the summers while they got hot and humid, I mean, I grew up in Dallas. Like it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, so and you came from Phoenix. Yeah. It's, so I, I liked it. I liked it. And then cover the team was fun. You know, it's a, it was a, it's a great team to cover. Uh, it had a ton of personalities on it. Um, and you knew that every story you wrote, uh, people were going to care very deeply about, which is like a very gratifying experience. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that all makes a lot of sense. Um, what is there anything? I know this was, you're kind of covering this team. Really at a weird time. It was when Dick Williams had sort of had been GM, but wasn't the main decision maker. Mm-hmm. From afar, what have you seen from this organization? And what kind of interests you from afar? Well, I missed all the exciting stuff, man. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I have my own personal opinions, and I, I'm sure Dick Williams might disagree with me, but it, it seems to me from afar that, like, there, two things can be true. One, they have, they have, uh, nobly decided we are going to be good now and we're going to do what it takes to be good and signed all these guys and made trades that even like the Puig trade didn't work out. Like it was an effort to be like, let's cut this shit out, you know, no more losing. Um, but on, on the same level, I feel like and I, I don't know if they look at it this way. That it seems to me like the rebuild didn't really produce much. Um, uh, I mean, that could change if Nick Senzel turns into a superstar, which he very well could. It could certainly change if, uh, Hunter Green turns into an ace. But all the guys that they, uh, got for the big leaders, they traded away. I mean, the Jay Bruce trade produced nothing. Uh, now that Peraza is gone and, and I mean, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, like Scott Trevor barely played in the majors last year, like, that trade's a wash. Um, we all know how the Chapman trade turned out. Um, 
it just seemed like those trades and those drafts, considering that Tramel is gone too, um, haven't really like produced much at the big league level yet. And that could change. But if they were going to be good this year, they were going to be good in large part because they went out and spent money. Um, and so I, I, I wonder, I don't know if those two things are connected where they say like, oh man, this, it doesn't look like our prospects for this rebuild kind of propelling us are looking good. We need to switch tracks now. Um, I don't know if those two are connected, but, um, it, it seems like both things are true that they have, they have really worked hard to be good. Um, but their previous plan to be good didn't look like it was going anywhere. I mean, I guess that would be kind of one of those things is, well, you don't stubbornly stay where you are just because you want to look like you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, it's, it's good that they, uh, want to make those moves. Um, in Bob Castellini, I've known for, from experience, the guy wants to win, you know, like, sometimes he wants, he wants to, he doesn't see the long view and and should let the baseball people do the baseball work a little more. Um, and maybe, I mean, I haven't covered the team in a couple of years. Maybe he's come around on that, but, um, he, his instincts are the right ones. We're like, let's be good. Let's not, let's not get rid of players that are popular. You know, um, but that's, you want an owner that thinks that way. You also just want an owner that listens to the baseball guys. Right. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's, you hear people say all the time, like, oh, well, Bob Castellini doesn't want to win. And that always cracks me up because that's somebody who's never met Bob Castellini. Oh yeah. The guy, the guy wants, the guy wants to win. We've, but you and I both talked to the the front office enough to know it's like some of the things that didn't happen that would have made the team worse in, in the near term but maybe would have helped the rebuild a little bit that those things didn't happen because Bob C wants to win. Right. And so it's, it's kind of a catch 22, you know, they're, I don't know. It's all kind of interesting how, so the Diamondbacks have been kind of a pretty fascinating team, just their, their changes and, and they've been pretty good, but not, they haven't been able to get over that hump. I mean, kind of like, the Reds were for a little while where you're like, that's a good team, but are they good enough? And what, what, what's the point of being good if you're just make the playoffs good and not contend in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Well, th- this was going to be the season that, that, that they kind of try to take that step forward. I mean, Mike Hazen was as active as anybody this winter. They didn't spend quite as much money as the Reds did, but they went and signed, uh, Madison Bumgarner for 86 million and, and a move that a lot of us looking at the roster didn't think like, Oh, that's, that wasn't an area of need for them. Um, they went out and got him. They went out and got Cole Calhoun. They went out and got Starling Marte. They did not lose anybody from last Wait, year's season. Who, who did they get to play off field? Oh, excuse me. Styling Marte. Play a little center. There you go. Hey, a little lead off. Um, but they, they didn't lose anybody significant from last year's team. Like their, their the biggest free agent losses were like Adam Jones, who was not great, and uh, uh, Gerard Dyson, who was immediately replaced and upgraded by Sterling Marte. Um, and so that that was notable. And I mean, it was notable they were as good as they were last year, the first year without Paul Goldschmidt. Um, and I don't right. think they they expected to be that good. I, I think Mike Hazen's mo the last couple of years, ever since twenty. Really since 
after 2018, because 2018 was a year where they really thought they were going to be good. Um, and they had AJ Pollock and Patrick Corbin was a Cy Young candidate and Paul Goldschmidt was terrific. Um, and they fell short. And then from that point on, when he traded Paul Goldschmidt, Mike Hazen's MO was, look, we need to keep this team in the mix, but let's not get so far ahead of ourselves. Um, and and spend recklessly to really compete against the juggernaut that is the Dodgers and sacrifice a, a farm system that we have worked diligently to rebuild and is now one of the better farm systems in the game. Um, let's not go too far too fast, but let's not tear down either. He he says if he always says if if you have the the chance to get in the postseason, I think you owe it to your fans and to your organization to make the most of that chance. And so he's put together competitive teams. And just now, this season, like, he was making the additions and the farm system is getting to this point where, the, like, probably next year was going to be the year the farm system really started paying off for the big league club. And you had a lot of exciting guys coming up. Um, and they were going to make a run at it. And a lot of us still look at the roster and say, like, uh, look, this roster is still going to – the Dodgers are going to win the the division. Like, it's inevitable. There's not a team in the division that's going to take it from them. But this looked like a wild card roster. And when you get in the playoffs, you know anything can happen. The Dodgers look like the best team in baseball for like the last five years. They've not won a World Series. So, um, you know, I, I, it's been interesting to watch him kind of toe the line on this of like really trying to not, you know, stay in the present, but not sacrifice the future. And, um, he's done a pretty good job of it. And there's been kind of this cult built up around him, not by the organization. But just among fans that, that are, you know, there's, you know, fans like to think like GMs and they're looking at him like a genius and nothing could make Mike Hazen more uncomfortable than knowing that fans look like a genius. Um, at, they had their fan fest before spring training and a fan like got up and asked him a question and said, well, I just, you know, I just think you're a magician. I just think you're the best. If they had your name on a jersey, I would buy it. And like Hazen was so physically uncomfortable, like could not even like make eye contact. Like he hates credit and he's the first to say we haven't won anything yet, but uh, everybody kind of recognizes he's a really smart guy and he seems to know what he's doing and he's done a pretty impressive job with his resources. Yeah. You know, it is really strange to be in that division um, and the divisions make teams so much now um, because mm-hmm. if you're in the NL central, you've got to deal with the pretty much, I don't know, continued excellence of the Cardinals. They've been just consistently excellent. I, I don't think that's, I don't think anybody would disagree with that except for a Cardinal fan who's like, well, wants more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also deal with the Cubs who have kind of gotten this great money source and have really taken advantage and built a window and then in the in the NL Central NL West where you are right now, you just it's it's so different because it's like everybody has to play for second place. Yeah, uh, maybe within a year that will change. Um, the Giants will still be down because they're going through their process, and the Rockies. I mean, the Rockies were bad last year and then didn't add a single person this year, uh, and are somehow expecting to be good again. Um, but the Padres farm system, you know, they've got some dudes and they're getting there. They're getting to the big leagues. Um, and, you know, AJ Preller, like, for better or for worse, is, 
you know, whenever someone's on the trade market, he wants to be involved. And, you know, he hasn't always come away with those guys, but it, it has happened sometimes. He's got Tommy Pham now. He went out and signed Eric Hosmer, even though he shouldn't have. And, you know, he, he went and got a, who's their other big free agent? I can't remember. Um, but he's, he spent some money. Oh, Machado. When got Machado, no yeah. one's expecting that. Um, and so that, I mean, everybody kind of views the Padres as a bit as a sleeping giant if they can like flick the switch and start really winning. Um, and they hoped to do that last year and made a little bit of progress, but obviously not enough as they fired Andy Green. Um, and so that, the, the Padres is, are the team that everybody's scared of. And then if, if Mike Hazen is smart enough and the Diamondbacks farm system is as good as people think it, it is, even though a lot of their best guys are like in low A right now, um, they could compete with the Dodgers. Um, and there have been seasons where like, I mean, the Dodgers had to play game 163 to determine who won the division against the Rockies a couple of years ago. There have been seasons where they've been challenged, just not consistently. Um, but the, the, the Diamondbacks and the, and the Padres, the, those are teams with potential and like heading the right direction. So I don't, I don't think like, yeah, but are the Dodgers really scared of them? You said not, everybody's scared of the Padres. No, they they see that as a kind of a cute thing, right? No, like no, oh, I, they I, could I, they could be tough for a little while, um, but it's not like it's a long term. I mean, they're not quaking in their boots. I don't think anybody's scared of the Padres right now. I think everybody looks at the Padres and says, "Man, they're always like, man, that team next year could be nasty." Cause I mean, they just got some, they've got so many like great prospects. Um, and, and including like a, a full season of Fernando Tatis Jr. and Chris Paddock. And I mean, adding Tommy Pham to that, to that team is like going to improve it so much because Tommy Pham is a terrific and underrated player. And they've got Tremel now and they've got like four or five guys ranked ahead of Tremel. Um, and Tremel's still a top 100 prospect. Um, and those guys are coming. I mean, I think that it's a crop of talent, like not unlike what the Cubs had, um, in 2015. Um, so I, I do, I do think they're going to be a dangerous team and they're going to be a team that's going to be young and good for a while. Whether they will, I mean, the Dodgers have unmatched resources. Whether they will beat the Dodgers, I don't know, but they're going to, the Dodgers right. are going to have to try a lot harder. But I mean, they can still, they could still be really good. And be fighting for second place. Sure, absolutely. That's true of every team in the division. But I mean, seems, just, it's just so like interesting. we, but just like we looked at with the Cubs, I and mean, we all thought the Cubs would be this good, and now the Cubs yeah. like oddly look vulnerable, you know. Yeah. And the the projections aren't super fond of them, right? In in the, in a, well, at least before the season was delayed. I don't know what they look like now, but um, the 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 Central was looking like a really tight race between four teams, um. So uh, the Cubs don't look as inevitable anymore. I mean, I think it can, you, you can get to that point quick. The difference being that the, the Dodgers always seem to have like two or three more top 100 prospects ready to come up. Yeah. I mean, guys that are just like serious dudes mm-hmm. at all times. Oh, so you are also, well, the plan was to do a little bit more prospect work. What did uh, that include and, and what, um, what does that look like now? What do you, I don't know. What what did you see while you were looking for prospects? Well, I was just looking for good stories um, and stories yeah. that people would care about. I mean, that's the tough thing with prospects is my experience covering 
the Diamondbacks is the Diamondbacks fans don't go for a prospect story the way like Reds fans might because they're not they're not paying attention to the farm system that deeply, um, and so that kind of adjusts my calibration a little bit. And so mm-hmm. basically, I was looking for to write about basically guys in the top 100, like guys that have a certain amount of following that among their fan base and among the game at large. And then maybe any guys that aren't in the top 100 but have a really good story. And I haven't got the chance to write any of those yet. Um, uh, there may be going to be a couple of draft ones. Uh, I may c- come back around to them. But uh, the the time that those guys are here in Arizona are um, – or we're in spring training when I, I, that's when I did my Taylor Trammell story. And then, uh, uh, the next few I've done are Diamondbacks guys because baseball stopped and those are the guys I have access to. Um, yeah. and then, then there's the fall league when there are a lot of interesting guys here and that, that was going to be really my time to do a lot of work on this stuff. Um, but I, I had been hoping to write about Hunter Green in spring training and then everything kind of ground to a halt. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was going to be kind of just finding the stories where they are. Um, and there's a little less of it now just because I'm, I'm working on one right now that I had started in spring training, but it's about a downbacks prospect. So it was kind of like sitting right there for me to do. Um, and so I'm just kind of picking up where I left off, but I'm not sure that there's a, you know, right now all of us are hurting for stories so much. I feel like if I go and write about a pirates prospect, I'm, I'm taking work, work away from Rob Bertemple and I don't want to do that. Um, so I, I think since we're, maybe it'll pick back up again when baseball does. Um, and certainly if we have the fall league out here, I'll be doing a ton of it. But right now there's not as much of it going on unless it's Diamondbacks related. Yeah. Well, um, so, um, I gotta ask you a question. I wonder what it'll be. Hey, Jack. Hey Trent. Hey Zach. <laughs> hey Trent. <laughs> what you watching? Uh, we're, we're out of practice on that. We are a little bit, yeah. Uh, well, I, as you know, I'm watching a lot. Um, I watched the Last Dance last yeah. night. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, okay, here. What'd you think of it? I I liked it a lot. I mean, I was never like someone obsessed with the, the Bulls in the '90s. Um, you know, the '97 '98 season. I was ten. Um. God. But uh, I mean, it was a really well done documentary, and it's it's fascinating. And it what it felt like to me, and I, was it felt like sports live sports was on because everybody was tuned in at the same point, watching it mm-hmm. and discussing it. Um, and so I'm I'm I haven't missed sports as much as other people, aside from kind of what it means for work and creativity. Um, like you're watching a CPBL game, like I can't watch a major league game that 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 does not involve the team I'm covering. Like it's just, I usually don't either. Unless it's in the playoffs. Um, and so I haven't missed watching sports that much because I don't do it outside of work that much. Um, but but that felt like sports and, um, just where we're all like, so starved for something and eager to watch something together and share something. And I really enjoyed it. Um, but the thing I'm watching most right now is I am mowing through, from season one to season seven, Star Trek: The Next Generation. And I'm almost done with season four now. Yeah. I, you know what? That was a pretty good show. It was. You know, I've never seen it front to back. It was a show that my dad loved. That show, we would watch it a lot, just reruns and stuff when I was growing up. 
And so, and I, I've seen First Contact. I don't think I've seen the other Next Generation movies since they weren't as good. Um, but it, it was a show that, you know, I, I learned to love all those characters out of Worf action figure. Um, and, and so I knew like the basics of the show, but I'd never watched it front to back. Um, and I, it's on CBS All Access and I was like, hell, why not? I got nothing else going on. Uh, so, so what and, streaming surface, ser- services do you subscribe to? This is going to make me. Uh, well, keep, keep in mind that not all of these I am actually subscribing to as much as borrowing someone's login. Um, but we have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have CBS All Access and Disney Plus. I think, oh, and Amazon Prime, but you know, that's kind of like an asterisk because we, I wouldn't have spent the money just for the, the video stuff, but you get it if you have Amazon Prime. Um, and so yeah, so those five. I, I don't subscribe to anything else than that. I'm not sure what I'll do with HBO Max or whatever. I'm not signing up for Quibi. That sounds stupid. Um, but a and couple, if a couple lost of those. You, they've lost. Yes, a, a couple of those though are not like I'm borrowing someone's login. We're not actually paying for it. Like I, I will admit that I would not probably subscribe to CBS All Access on my own. Gotcha. Yeah, I do not either. Um, I'm not the uh, target audience, I don't think. Although, did you watch Picard? I did. That's why I got onto it because I wanted to watch Picard. And then from there, they have all the Star Trek shows. And I was like, you know what? I kind of am in this mood now. I'm just going to cruise through starting at the beginning of the next generation. And I think I'll was keep Picard going through. It? Yeah, Picard was fun. It was a little overstuffed, a little busy, um, but it was fun. Um but now I'm going to, I think I'm going to keep going through Voyager and Deep Space Nine and then probably stop there. Interesting. There you go. Um, okay. So back to the last dance. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like it under delivered on this unprecedented access in 1997, 98? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I, I don't remember having like, ingested that much as like the marketing pitch um, as much as I thought it was just going to be like a, a, a unique look at kind of this moment in sports history that I, I wasn't really sports conscious for. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a ton in there that felt like you were really behind the scenes. Um, was there anything that felt, I guess, I guess it's, it's wrong asking you if there's anything that felt new because yeah, a lot of it. Felt I was, new. I was like 20, I was in my early twenties. So, um, yeah, I guess it, it didn't seem new to me. It was more nostalgia and maybe that's part of it is you grew up. I heard somebody talking about how, like, you know, with, when we were talking about Kobe Bryant, it's like, well, here's, they didn't, you know, they never saw Michael Jordan play this generation that took, you know, that we're so in on Kobe Bryant and they heard the legend of Michael Jordan, but they didn't see him. And they had Kobe. And I was like, oh, my God, this is where, like, I feel – I don't often feel that much older than you. But when we talk about that, I feel that much older than you. Yeah, yeah. There's certain, like, parts of sports history that I kind of missed. You know, like I was there for, but not, like, didn't – wasn't understanding. I, I Like, I knew that Michael Jordan was a great player. I never grew up like obsessed with Michael Jordan. I was too focused on Dallas teams and 
So I was all over Michael Finley and I thought Michael Finley never got enough respect and all this stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know like the, the, what is it? The, um, I'm forgetting the word, but just like the, the mystique of, of the, the backdoor dealings and how everybody didn't get along and the intrigue and, um, and how that dynasty was like, kind of preset to end i didn't know any of that right i guess i lived through it and like i if you were a sports fan in 1998 you knew that i mean you were following along like kind of they showed those sports center cut-ins you know it's like oh yeah that was just sports center that was <laughs> i don't know um so it's funny i just didn't i enjoyed it but it was more like nostalgia than learning for me and yeah. I think that's the difference in our ages. Yeah. I'll be interested to see where it goes. I mean, obviously if, if they have enough to fill out 10 episodes of this, like maybe I don't think they have to, <laughs> people are going to watch even if they don't have enough. For oh, it. that, yes, that's true. I'm just wondering if like maybe like the big revelations are to come, but it, yeah. I mean, it, it could be just like, uh, I'm trying to remember what, like what OJ made in America was like, whether the, whether that included any like big revelations or if it was just like a really good encapsulation of everything that was happening at the time, just like putting it all like at a certain distance to better understand it. Um, yeah. And, and that, again, that's another thing that, that yeah. Either, so no, no, I mean, I was aware when it was on TV and all the trial and all that stuff. And I mean, you, you could not be aware of it, but it, it was not something I was comprehending. And certainly if I wasn't, paying attention to the bulls. My parents weren't letting me pay attention to the high profile murder trial, but um, yeah, but you were aware of it, of course. Right. So I guess it's just a generational thing. Well, cool, man. Hey, thanks for joining me. That was, um, that was fun. It was good to catch up and talk and um, we will talk more over the next couple of weeks. I'm, I hope everything's going well and um, I have stuff I need to send you because we're doing some cleaning and we're like, Oh yeah. Do you want to send that to Zach and Taryn? Yeah, sure. So tell Lou that I'm making her, her Girl Scout cookies last one box a week. Oh, really? Yeah. I still got five, five boxes left. Wow. Um, Michelle went and found another like troop and bought some from them after, uh, after ours ran out. So, dude, they could raise the prices and like make bank if they really wanted to, you know, we would all still yeah. buy it. We, we just wanted to get our uh, supply out and like, I was just constantly making wire references uh, <laughs> so about our stash and our re-ups and all that. So yeah, if you see a little tops. green, if you see a little green vest hanging over a power line, you know, that's where like cookie deals go down. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's awesome. Uh, it's good talking to you and hopefully everybody enjoyed this. We'll be back next week. And, um, I don't know if Paul will be back next week or I might find another special guest. Um, I've, I've got an idea. And so to give Paul a post, uh, draft little or a respite so that he doesn't have to, uh, follow up the draft with this when he hasn't even been thinking of this and we're still just making stuff up. So maybe a special guest is more entertaining than what Paul and I would have to say anyway. 
So, uh, for Zach Buchanan and, uh, myself, C. Trent Rosecrans, uh, this has been W-A-R-P in Cincinnati.